This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to Five on Three. We are back with our first episode of the 2021-2022 season. We'll be reviewing the summer of 2021, a short one at that, alongside Tyler Mooney and Mike Messina. As usual, I'm Chris Hennessy. We are within, oh, I don't know, 500 yards of each other, but we are not in the same room yet, although that is the hope uh, for soon. Uh, boys, how was the shortened summer, really just the month of August uh, since we've talked? Yeah, it was good. I, I mean, it was kind of busy. I was doing summer classes, so it, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three-hour classes at, at nine in the morning, so it was tough, but but hockey's starting back up. I'm excited. Um, a lot of moves this offseason, not, not, not necessarily for, for the Rangers, the Devils, but the Islanders made a lot of signings, but there's been rumblings around the league for each team, and I'm excited to get into it with you guys. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording how I've felt like this offseason has taken so long and it's been way shorter than usual. Chris was on the other hand, he felt like we had just finished. I think that might have something to do with the fact the Islanders are playing a couple months past the Rangers, but either way, I, I'm agreeing with the sentiment that we are ready for hockey season to start, and I'm so excited to be talking with you guys again. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. This is going to be an awesome season, and we got a new building to look forward to, and hopefully at least some of us will be able to be at the opening. And um, my hope is the three of us are at game one of the Stanley Cup final at UBS Arena. That's that's my hope. I don't know, I don't know if you guys are going to join me for that one, but um, that's my hope. Uh, but we're going to get into the Islanders. That's where we're going to start, because if you listen back to our last episode, I make quite the claim. I'm like, oh, yeah, like they haven't been signed yet, which is kind of weird, but it'll get done in a couple of days. Well, I was wrong. That was July 29th. It took until September 1st for Beauvillier, Palmieri, Sorokin, and Sezikis to all sign their contracts. All four of these contracts I felt were really fair in terms of term and money. I would have liked to see more years on the term for Beauvillier just because he's so young, but obviously he's not going to accept that um, at 24 years old to enter unrestricted free agency at 27. As for the rest of them, four by five for Paul Mary, three by four for Sorokin, and six by two and a half for Sezikis. I love all of them. They're four members of uh, Paul Mary's not really a member of the core, but the other three are, are integral members of this team. Paul Mary will replace Jordan Eberle uh, on the forward core. And I think those four signings are really solid and, and will lead them, Tyler, to, to trying to run it back and get one more win and then four more wins on top of that next year. Yeah, I thought. I agree. I thought all the signings were very solid. I thought the Pellick deal was obviously the cream of the crop, the best deal to get him for under $6 million a year. He might be one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. And that pairing Pellick and Pulak, that's one of the, if not the best pairings in the NHL. So for the Islanders to be able to keep that pairing together, it was great. Um, I thought, you know, maybe this Azekas deal was a little long in term. We talked about when the Rangers signed Barkley Goodrow, they gave him six years as well. Do you want to sign players like that for six years? But at the end of the day, he's a fan favorite. He's a key piece of that fourth line, which makes the Islanders go. And that contract won't be a problem in the next couple of years, which the next couple of years is the Islanders window. So overall, I thought getting the guys back was big. Cause yeah, they're, they're trying to run it back. I didn't think that the Islanders necessarily needed to make a big flashy move. I think, you know, they were only one goal away from the Stanley cup final last year. So kind of bring it back, keeping the chemistry. Now they have a full year of Paul Mary. He'll get a training camp. So I'm sure he'll be better than he was last year for the Islanders. So I think if you're an Islanders fan, you definitely 
should be excited and happy about this offseason. Yeah, you touch on what I was going to say, Tyler. Palmieri being able to have a training camp with the Islanders is going to be huge for him going forward. He kind of struggled um, right out of the gate when he, when he came to New York, and I, I just don't see that this year. He has that training camp. He's going to be able to meet all the new players and have that time that he needed with them, and I think it's going to be great for him. And another deal I really like was the Sorokin deal, three by four. I mean, that was someone you guys obviously – the Islanders obviously had to sign and secure a spot on their roster and get him locked up for the next couple of years. And they did it for three years and for pretty cheap as well. He's obviously a great goaltender. He's going to be the goaltender of the future for the Islanders. And to get him back was huge for at such a low price. And then the Char deal, a one-year deal. We don't know the price. I don't hate it. Uh, he's 44. He's old. Um, but but he could be a big part of that defense, obviously captain for for so many years out in Boston, helped them win Stanley Cup finals, uh, championships. So so I like that deal. He's going to be able to help that defense a lot. And, and the Islanders have a lot of potential. It is absolutely their window and their time to succeed. They really didn't even struggle the last two seasons, obviously making to the Easter Conference finals. Um, and this is just another year that they have that potential to do that again and, and possibly some more. So we'll have to see with that. But I Overall, I think the Islanders made great signings this offseason, but I don't know how it took so long, man. They took. <laughs> I, it, it is Tell me about it. Tell me about it, dude. I had to buy gifts for people, and I, I was going to get somebody in my life a Beauvillier shirt. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good gift. They like Anthony Beauvillier. And I was like, hmm, can't do that. He doesn't have a contract. He get traded to St. Louis at any point. I think that's what it was. I think it was Tarasenko. The Tarasenko deal, Lou wanted him. And – Doug Armstrong, or I guess it's not even Doug Armstrong out in St. Louis anymore. He's in Arizona, but St. Louis wanted um, Beauvillier, and that was the budging point, and Lou didn't want to sign all these guys and basically tell the world he had no cap space. Um, I think that was that was the big hang-up, was the Tarasenko trade and the involvement of Anthony Beauvillier in that. Um, but, yeah, it was it was really interesting because I'm sitting there in August, like, I, I on vacation, like, checking my phone oh i wonder if like casey's zeke is signed today and he just didn't ever until september 1st um you mentioned the adam pellet contract tyler this was this was one of the better contracts of the entire offseason across the entire league for me like this is a guy that i was having this conversation with my ranger fan uncle who disagreed with me but i'm glad you guys have brains um here's what five dollars a month would eliminate so he said it's it, it's not that great of a contract because he doesn't play offense, which is fine. I understand that, right? He doesn't get a lot of points. Um, he not the big scorer like Pulak is, like Seth Jones, like Darnell Nurse. But you look at those that Seth Jones contract. Look at that Darnell Nurse contract. That money is huge. Nine million dollars, nine and a half million dollars. When the Islanders have brought it all the way down to five point seven, and the entire team, the entire Barry Trotz system doesn't work and makes absolutely no sense without Adam Pellick on this team. He's the stay-at-home number one defenseman, big giant guy who can skate, hit. He keeps track of Sidney Crosby and Artemi Panarin and Alex Ovechkin in the own division. Now you're playing out of the division again, so bring in Connor McDavid and Braden Point and all those guys. Obviously, they played in the playoffs as well in the case of Braden Point, but the whole system does not make sense without that guy there. And he has been that guy for the last three years when he was terrible. If you remember before the Barry Trotz era, Adam Pellick sucked. And now since Barry Trotz has gotten there, he's developed him into this number one defenseman and got him at this fantastic contract. Uh, so I loved it. That was fantastic to me. Um, we mentioned on the last episode about how the Islanders might've 
outweighed every left-handed defenseman. They ended up signing Zidane Ochara. Um, I like it just because it's going to be kind of fun to see him play back on Long Island. I don't even remember. I don't think I was even alive uh, when he was playing on the Islanders uh, last time, which is pretty crazy. So uh, that that should just be fun. And he'll he'll get some big minutes, I think. Uh, I think he'll probably play with Scott Mayfield on that second pair as a lefty, um, which means he'll get some big minutes. And um, we'll see if his, his legs are able to handle it. They do have some younger guys who can take that spot. And then the last one we didn't mention was Zach Parise, who was bought out by Minnesota. We did talk about that. Um, and he has signed a one-year contract with the Islanders as well. I think that this is a great signing. We talked about it then that this was a no-brainer. His dad is a former Islander. Uh, Lou Lamarillo was the uh, GM who drafted him. This just felt like a no-brainer from the start. Uh, he comes in, he'll slot in on the third line, I think, with Pajot and either Palmieri or Wallstrom. And it will just be a good veteran guy to have who, who can score a little bit still. He's not the player that he was, obviously, in New Jersey or on the Olympic team in 2010. but um, I think that this is a fun, fun group and some really good veterans. Uh, they don't need to get older. They're, they're a pretty old team, but some good veterans who have, in the case of Chara, won a Stanley Cup uh, to, to get in that room. So all in all, I'm in favor of everything the Islanders did this season, because I think you're right, Tyler. I don't think they needed a Landeskog or a Grubauer. Oh, they certainly didn't need a Grubauer, but uh, or Dougie Hamilton uh, to get back to the Eastern Commerce Finals this year. I, I don't think that that was necessary, and they didn't go get those guys for a reason. Yeah, uh, the Parise move especially, I think that could turn out to be a really good one. You mentioned his dad and the Lou connection, but also, I mean, I think he – I don't think he was necessarily expecting to be bought out by Minnesota. He might have been a little bit blindsided by that. So I think you're going to definitely get a motivated Zach Parise who – has not won a Stanley Cup yet, if I'm correct. They, he made it with the yes. Devils, but they did not win that year. So, you know, time's running out on his career. This might be his last chance to get a cup. So I think that move, you got Char coming in, same kind of situation, although he has won. But, you know, every year could be both of these guys last year's really, especially when you're going on one-year deals. So I think those are perfect leadership moves that the Islanders needed to make and did make. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Look, he's, he's 36 years old. He has 18 points. He's not the scorer. He's not the guy who can dish out assists left and right for the Islanders. But he brings so much to the table for them, the veteran status. That's something the Islanders, and not really just the Islanders, most NHL teams need is that veteran presence in the locker room to get the guys back on their feet when they had a bad game. Someone let, let the puck go in the, uh, in the defensive zone. He can be there, pick them back up. And he's still got a shot on him, man. He's only 30. Yes, he's 36, but... If you look at his stats from 2005 and on, from when he first came in the league, he's a damn good hockey player. And that just doesn't stop now that he's 36 years old. I think him and Char are, are two very good acqu uh, uh, veteran acquisitions to this Islanders team. And I, I think they did a, a good job this offseason bringing them in. Tyler, I, I agree with you. I, I think he was completely surprised he was, he, he was brought out of his contract. I don't think he was expecting that at all. And then to, to sign this one-year deal, I honestly thought it was going to be a longer deal than one year. Um, but that's what it is, and I'm sure that's not going to be end of that uh, end of preseason on the Islanders either. They definitely got uh, better. The Islanders benefited from the fact that he has money coming in now from Minnesota for a gazillion years because of the buyout, where he doesn't need to make four million dollars um, a year. He can make the veterans minimum and still actually make over a million dollars from Minnesota. So that's that definitely benefited them there. All right, we're going to move on to what ended up being at a very weird time. It was signed uh, in late August and then it, it carried into September. The biggest story of the offseason, 
and that was the Yesberry Kotkaniemi one-year $6.1 million offer sheet offered by the Carolina Hurricanes, signed by Kotkaniemi, and then not matched by the Montreal Canadiens. So a first and a third-round pick in next year's draft go from Carolina to Montreal in exchange for Yesberry Kotkaniemi. This was a revenge deal, if you remember, all the way back to July of 2019, not that long ago, feels like a long time ago, um, when Carolina, uh, Montreal, excuse me, offered Sebastian Ajo a five-year, $42 million contract that Carolina matched, um, but they did not like that. That's not you know kosher in today's NHL. That was the first time in six years that a team had offered somebody else an offer sheet, and Carolina didn't like that. They strike back two years later by overpaying Jesperi Kakaniemi, departing with a first and a third round pick. And, and now he's on their team. The former third round, the former third overall pick joins the second overall pick from that same draft, Andrei Svechnikov, on a team with Stanley Cup aspirations. This was this was an insane, insane sequence of events. I thought Montreal did the right thing. I think Carolina was honestly kind of stupid in their revenge and should have done it with Nick Suzuki next year. Um, but that's just my opinion. I, I'm not very high on Jesperi Kakaniemi. I don't think you can be after he was sat in the Stanley Cup final. Now he's getting paid $6.1 million a year. Was this the right move in your eyes, Mike, for Montreal to pass up on the former number three overall pick and take the first and the third? Yeah. I mean, I mean last two seasons, he has 28 points in a little over 80-something games. I mean – you can't be paying a guy one year $6.1 million to give you 20 points a season. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to go well in Montreal, a team that obviously wasn't supposed to make the Stanley cup finals last year, excelled and clearly didn't need him since he was benched. I mean, yes, I, I do think that the hurricanes kind of did this out of, out of spite. And I like the move though. I like that. They did that. They're a team that wants to win now and a team that can win now with, like they're, they're a very talented team and they've shown us that. And I feel like he's going to be able to help them succeed and make the playoffs and, and go further than they did last year. And I just don't see or understand why they gave him that much money though. I'm, I'm really not understanding it. I don't think Montreal wanted him in the first place. So I think even if they offered him less money, he would have signed that offer sheet because I don't think he wanted to be in Montreal either, but I love that Montreal didn't, didn't match that. They had really no reason to. That's a lot of money, and I don't think they need him personally. So, so I, I like that he's no longer with them. I like the move that Carolina made to go out and get him. Don't like how much they're paying for him, though. I think he's worth way less than than six million. And I'm hoping he proves me wrong. I want him to succeed. I, I, I'm a fan of the Carolina Hurricanes. I like the atmosphere they bring to their arena, and I, I like the team and the atmosphere as a whole. I think they can succeed, and I just don't don't like the amount that he's getting paid. I really don't. Yeah, there's a few things to unpack here, at least in my mind. One, I'm, I'm agreeing with you guys. I think Montreal made the right move in letting him go here. If you're Jesperi Kotkinemi, I feel like when you see this offer sheet come through and you see that you're going to be paid $6.1 million, you almost, I feel like you might almost hope that the, the Canadians don't match this because I know he's been getting a lot of hate already in the Montreal media and with the fans. Can you imagine if this guy was – getting paid $6 million next year in Montreal and he was performing the way like he performed last year. I mean, it would be probably jumped on that. Yeah, it would be, it would be awful, but as for Carolina, I mean, yeah, I agree. Mike, he can help them out, but I feel like this is one of those situations where, you know, like 
it might have it's might have sounded better in your head than what actually you put it out there. I mean, you're paying six million dollars for a guy who scored five goals last year. You're paying him more than a million dollars per goal. I just don't see and and it looks even worse in the backdrop of what happened with the Hurricanes earlier in the offseason where they refused to pay Alex Nadelkovich, who was a Calder finalist. They, they, they and Doug Hamilton. Just, yeah, and Dougie Hamilton. But especially with Nadelkovich, that team has you could argue that goaltending, if that team had a legit number one goaltender, they could have made it even farther in the past two years. And it looked like Nadelkovich could have potentially been that guy. And they ended up trading him to Detroit. And I think he signed for like 2.5 or 3 million in Detroit, like nothing, but you're going to give a guy with five goals, 6 million. So I really didn't like this move for Carolina. And I know we'll get into picks, you know, in a later episode, but this Metro division is going to be an absolute dogfight. And I just don't know if what the Hurricanes did this offseason. I mean, it's crazy to say that they might miss the playoffs, but there's going to be really good teams. Maybe not really good, but there's going to be some very solid teams in the Metro that don't make the playoffs. And I did not like this move by Carolina at all. Yeah, and then Montreal takes the first-round pick and trades it to Arizona on a condition. Christian Dvorak was the player that comes back, so they're able to replace Kotkaniemi at center. They trade the first-round pick in 2022, and they – second round pick in 2024 the condition is that arizona gets the better of the two picks unless they're both in the top 10 in which case they get the worst of the two picks which is interesting because i don't think they're both going to be in the top 10 but i think it's possible that one of them's in the top 10 right is it it's so crazy that montreal slips up here and carry price has a tough season and somebody gets hurt and all of a sudden without shea weber and with a rough carry price and no Kakanyemi, they fall apart and they end up at the 10th spot of the ninth spot. I don't think that's that crazy. And now all of a sudden that pick is Arizona. So I thought that was interesting as well. Um, but clearly Mark Bergevin has confidence in his team to make that the condition on the pick. Um, I, I This move is insane. I, I agree with you, Tyler, exactly what you said. They they let both Nadelkovic, Nadelkovic and Dougie <laughs> Hamilton walk. I, I really struggle with that. <laughs> Um, it's a hard one. What are you going to do? I'm good with a lot of names, though, and I struggle with that name. I do not understand. Anyways, um, and Dougie Hamilton walk and then sign him. Now he has – there's no cap space left. So it was 6.1 was, like, the amount of cap space they had left. But to your point, that's less than what Nadelzovic signed for. And now they have Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta, which is a huge question mark. And that's a total of $6.5 million, uh, between the two of them that they paid. Uh, in the off season. So I think that there's a lot of question marks around in Carolina and now they don't have a first round pick next year. So there, there's a lot going on there. Um, and then one thing I also wanted to mention before we wrap this up is the, the qualifying offer situation. So if Kakanyemi signs a contract extension relatively soon, I believe it's before December 1st, he can sign for whatever annual average, um, uh, uh, Montreal, uh, uh, Carolina offers it, excuse me. But if he signs it after December 1st, the qualifying offer must be of at least $6.1 million. So you can sign up to another one year, $6.1 million, and then sign an extension. That's fine. But now you're at least paying him for two years. It, I don't understand this one without like a, a extension in the back pocket that you're able to just pull out and be like, oh, here you go. Here's that extension for two and a half million or three million or whatever it is. Um, but what are you going to do? I mean, this is, this is how they've decided to do business is go out for revenge against the hurricane, uh, against the Canadians. And they got the guy, Esperi Kakanyemi. But as I mentioned, Kakanyemi is the third best player that's about to come up on RFA for 
maybe even the fourth. Suzuki is going to come up after this season on RFA. Caulfield's going to come up after two years on RFA. And Arturi Lekkonen's an RFA after this season. And Jake Evans is an RFA after this season. All four of those four, however many I just mentioned, would be much more like of an interesting pickup than Isperi Kakanyemi, who's been like overwhelmingly disappointing in his career. And now you're way overpaying him. I'd rather see them like super pay Suzuki or Caulfield uh, uh, than, o- than overpay Kakanyemi. That, that the, is the part that doesn't make a lot of sense because you picked – feels like he kind of picked the wrong guy. But I don't know. Uh, that, that, that was kind of my last point. I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts on, on the Kakanyemi drama. Look, I have from when from when he got in the league, I have rode with Cole Caulfield the entire way. He's your favorite player in the NHL. That kid deserves to get paid, man. He deserves to get paid. The money that the Montreal Canadiens don't have is going to have to go to him. He he needs a big contract in, in two years when he, when he's a restricted free agent. He's earned it, and well, maybe he hasn't earned that much yet, but he will earn it. And he's a better player than Kakaniemi, so he needs to get that money no one else and i'm riding with him i don't care he's getting paid i like that mike i like that i think yeah suzuki and caulfield both of them yeah him too I'd rather pay them be sure to tune in for in two weeks to see who mike picks to win the calder trophy <laughs> big, big drama there we'll, we'll, we'll see who it is might be cole caulfield um all right so we talked about cock and Yemi. Now we're going to talk about the, the news of a guy who hasn't signed the contract yet. And this, to me, hasn't really been talked about a lot and is fascinating. And it's Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask has been a goalie for the Bruins for a gazillion years, and he's fantastic. He had a tough playoffs this year. He was clearly hurt in the Islander series, um, I thought at least. And that, that killed the team, right? That was the reason the Islanders won was because Tuka Rask was hurt. I don't think you can anybody can really argue that. He's a free agent after this season. Instead of signing him on the equivalent of July 1st, which I think was July 28th, they signed Linus Olmark. Linus Olmark, excuse me, Linus Olmark. Now you're thinking, okay, Linus Olmark, solid backup goalie. No, they signed him for a $5 million cap hit for the next four seasons. Basically the equivalent of the Robin Leonard contract at Vegas for Linus Olmark, which is, is mind-boggling to me. But – now they have him. They actually they that's the only goalie they have on the roster because they traded um, their young guy Dan Vladar to Calgary in the offseason. So now they only have Linus Allmark. Tukarask is still a free agent. Boston only has a shade over one million dollars in cap space. So in order for them to to shift a lot of things around, figure it out, and sign him all before the season starts it, two weeks from today, three weeks from today. That feels unlikely. They also have to pay Charlie McAvoy after this season. So it doesn't feel like they're going to want to attribute a lot of funds to an aging goaltender. So it feels like he's out. But in the past, he said he's not going to play anywhere but Boston. He's still got a lot left in the tank. And everybody in the goalie carousel has kind of stopped. And he doesn't have a team. So, Mike, I'll start with you. In your mind right now, where do you think Tukarask, if anywhere, is going to play on October 12th. I don't know if he'll be signed by the start of the season. I, I really, I really don't know if he will be. And he, he, he's been very vocal. He said he will be the cheap goalie for the Bruins. He doesn't need a huge contract. He just wants to be in Boston playing for the team. He's been playing for, for the last 14, 15 seasons. And he deservedly deserves to, to play for them. I mean, last year he was 15 and five in 24 games played. 
And he's just been really that backbone of the Bruins since the start, since 2007 when he was there. I mean, he's been there through thick and thin, and I don't understand how they're paying Omar $5 million when a 34-year-old goaltender, obviously not in his prime, but he's still a very good goaltender, and I don't think the Islanders beat them if, he, if he's 100% healthy. Is just sitting there waiting to get paid and willingly wants to play for your team and is even willing to take a pay cut to pay for the team and they don't want to pay him. They don't, I don't know what's going through the organization's minds when they're like, while they're choosing either Omar or Tugarask. I don't know if it's just because Tugarask has been injured a lot over the last couple of seasons or stuff he said to the media. I'm not sure, but I truly don't think if he's as serious as he, as he said he was about, he only wants to play in Boston. I'm not sure if he's going to be signed because he deserves money. He's he like, yes, he said he'll take a pay cut, but he doesn't, deserve to take a pay cut i mean the guy's a great goaltender he should be getting paid at a star caliber goaltender like he's been for the last 14 years and i don't know if he's going to be willing to take that pay cut for anyone else besides the bruins and i don't know what teams are going to be looking to pay a, a high leverage goaltender like tuka Rask right now i really don't and it stinks but to, if tuka's not on a team or even thinking about getting signed at that point but he needs to be on a team. He, like, I, I think he belongs with the Bruins, man. And I, I don't know. I'd love to see where he ends up, but I really don't know if he'll be on a roster by October 12th. Yeah, I agree. He, he belongs on the Bruins. And I, I do think he's telling the truth when he says, like, if I'm not in Boston, I, I don't really know if I want to play anymore. I mean, when he left the bubble two years ago, there were even questions then on would he come back? Would he retire? So I think, you know, his heart is clearly in Boston, especially the fact that he's saying he is willing to take this pay cut. I don't know why, you know, if you're the Bruins, you don't sign this guy. He has been the backbone of your team. And Omar, I mean, he's pretty unproven. He was on, he was going for the Sabres, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But he had a decent year last year, 917 save percentage, which is higher than his career average. But I just think that if you're the Bruins, I don't know why. I just don't know why you wouldn't sign a guy like Tuka Rask, even. And if he's really willing to take, you know, a cheaper deal, a one or two year deal for a couple of million, then make it happen. Then you're getting one of the consistently best goalies in the league for the past couple of years. I'd say you're getting him for way less than he would get if, you know, this was a normal situation and he was going out on the open market and was willing to play anywhere. So I think, I mean, I agree with you, Mike. I don't know if he'll be on a team on the Bruins really uh, opening night, but I think that should be a high priority on their list, getting this guy signed. I mean, in 560 games for the Bruins, he's played his entire career. He's 306 and 163. How is he not signed at 34 years old when this Bruins team is still very, very capable of going far in the playoffs? They're still very capable of doing that. And to just not re-sign someone who's been there from the start makes no sense to me. Very, very capable. I just want to add in, they're very capable of winning a Stanley Cup, but for how much longer? Exactly. Do you really want to tie the last few years of your window to Linus Olmark? That was going to be my point, yeah. was they only have maybe this just this year left. If you look at the, the sheet here, uh, Patrice Bergeron is up after this year, and it doesn't maybe sound like he's going to come back. Uh, Pasternak has one year left after this year. Obviously, it's more than likely he resigns. Um, but always possible. As I mentioned, they have to play McAvoy, and they lo just lost David Krejci, too. They're getting older. 
in a lot of situ in a lot of places, and goalie was one of those places until they uh, went with Olmark. But I would honestly argue that they got worse, even though they got younger. Just you mentioned nine seventeen as the save percentage for Olmark last year. Rask's was nine thirteen, so comparable, a little bit less, but comparable. Look at the goals against average; it's two twenty eight for Tuca, it's two sixty three for Olmark in a very similar sample size. Twenty games for Olmark, twenty four for Tuca. So. They're honestly very similar goalies despite the age differential. So for me, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense, especially because you like $5 million is, is a re, is a good goalie. Like Leonard is at five Markstrom's at six. I don't see, I just named th- two Swedish guys and Olmark Swedish too. I know, but I don't see Olmark as, as that kind of level of goalie. And I honestly, I think that that's going to be proven when the Sweden team has to name their goalies and it's going to be Leonard and Markstrom and Olmark isn't going to go um, because he's not as good as those two guys. So Boston is now, as you, as you put it, Tyler tied the end of the Patrice Bergeron era to Linus Olmark and not to Tukarask, which I did not see coming back in, in July, um, unless he's really hurt. Right. It's possible that he's really hurt and he's done and they just haven't said that yet. Um, it's very suspicious, though, that they have one goalie on the on the sheet. Um, maybe there's a move coming where they're able to free up a little bit of space and sign him to a two million dollar contract. This is a guy who's made sixty one million dollars in his career um, and he said he will be a cheap goalie. So I, I have no reason to doubt that. And um, we'll have to see about. This really, I haven't seen a lot of talk about this, and it's so interesting to me because I do think he has something left in the tank. And honestly, if I was a fan of a team that had an opening at backup goalie or like a Nashville or um, I, I'm trying, failing to think of any others right now, maybe a Colorado, I would love to see a Tuka Rask on a cheap contract with revenge on his mind. Uh, I would honestly would love that uh, if I was a fan of a team who needed a, a second goalie or even a first goalie. You know, you never know. So, I think that this is this is a saga that is going to play out, even though it's still a little bit under the radar um, for the next couple of weeks. And I agree with you guys. Three weeks from today, October 12th, I do not think he's on a team. I, I would agree. But um, we'll have to see. That's, that's the thing about goalie, though, is as long as you're in shape, they just got to strap the pads on you, and all you got to do is stop the puck. So Now, if he's injured and, and- – that's just something we don't know about completely different story. And I agree with not signing him if there's, if there's boring injuries that he can't play and it's just going to be really taking a cap space. And I, then I agree with the Bruins, but we don't know that. So we can't make assumptions that that is the right move, but he deserves to be on a team. It makes no sense. Yep. I would agree. All right. So the last thing we're going to end on a little bit of a lighter note, because this is really fun and I love this. And this is something that I've been banging the table about for, a uh, couple of years or eight years now. Um, and the, and that is the NHL going back to the Olympics. It is Gary Bettman's worst nightmare. It is the dream of every fan and every player to have this back. And I am so, so happy that we have this back. Um, and that honestly is because I very, very high on what the U S team could be this year. Obviously Canada is the team to beat. We all know that every single year. Um, just like, you know, Alabama and college football, it's Canada and international hockey. Uh, they're they're going to be the team to beat. But the U.S. team has, you know, uh, it's Matthews, Eichel if he's healthy, Patrick Kane and Connor Hellebuck, all in their primes. 
the last time the U.S. got a, had a hot goalie, they were one goal away from winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, not winning the Stanley Cup, winning the gold medal in 2010. So, Tyler, I am so excited for early February when this thing starts out. And um, I'm already starting to look at, we're going to get into it for the locals, but just in general, who could be on the U.S. team, who could be on the Canada team, and if we've got a shot here. Yeah, I am super excited for this. I still remember vividly watching the TJ Oshie shootout and hmm. was that 2014 in Sochi, I believe. So, yep. and you know, we, we missed it the last Olympics, obviously, but it's just going to be so much fun seeing all these elite players, the best in the world at what they do, playing for country, playing for pride. And yeah, I mean, all these teams are going to be crazy. I'm looking at some of the rosters right now. I mean, you mentioned Canada's forward group right now, this on the hockey news I'm looking at has Patrice Bergeron as the four center for, for team Canada. And it doesn't, it has Sean Couturier who people argue he's a top 10 center in the league. It says he's not even in the starting lineup. So, I mean, th their centers are going to be crazy. Their, their fours are going to be crazy, but team USA could be pretty good too. I know they have their defense core be pretty good. We we'll probably will be seeing Adam Fox on that decor and you named it. They have Connor Hellebuck who, Hey, can make a make a very good argument that he's been the best goalie in the NHL the last two years. So I am super excited for this to happen. And I agree. I cannot wait for mid-February, just counting down the months until we get to sit for two straight weeks and just watch Olympic hockey. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that the NHL was able to come to an agreement and, and allow the players to go because I, I've said it on a previous uh, episode of the podcast, players want to participate in the Olympics if they're talented enough. You can't find a, a single player, or at least I can't find one researching it, who doesn't want to play in the Olympics if, if he has the opportunity. That's an awesome story, an awesome opportunity, and just memories that, that last forever. And it's awesome to be able for these players to be able to go there and do it. And, and back to the rosters, there is a ton of, of talented American, Canadian, whoever you want, hockey players, who are going to be able to go there, play in the Olympics, and, and potentially win a gold medal like uh, for the USA, it's going to be, like you said, Chris Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, um, Matthew Kachuk is probably going to be in there, Brady Kachuk, um, Connor Hellebig is going to be the starting goaltender. And honestly, I'm not going to hate if, like, Spencer Knight or, or someone of that caliber goes as a backup goalie. I think he's going to make the team. I do. There is a great possibility of that, and that's awesome to see. Such a young player who, who, who has so much potential in this league be able to go there playing the Olympics. It, it's awesome, man. It's, it's just fans want it. Players want it. Uh, I'm stoked that they, that they got this deal done and I'm ready to watch some, some Olympic hockey. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So we'll, we'll transition into the locals. And as the, the day gets closer that they announce these, we'll talk about it more full fledged and, and who's actually going to be on the teams, but we'll stick with the local teams first. Start with the Islanders. For me, there's five guys to watch. There's Barzell and Pellick for Canada. There's Nelson and Lee for the U.S., and there's Varley for Russia. I don't think Sorokin really has a chance. I think Varlamov's just proved more. Um, and I honestly don't know if Varlamov's going to make the team. He might just be the third goalie, um, but I think they'd rather have Shesterkin on that as the backup to Vasilevsky um, than Varlamov. And whoever goes, they're going to be the backup to Vasilevsky, so they're not going to play. It doesn't matter. Um, so that, that's kind of that one. Throw that one away. So for the other four guys – I don't see Anders Lee making it just because of the injury and he's had a couple tough seasons in a row. Uh, they're pretty deep with power forwards. They have Max Pacioretty. They have the Kachuk brothers. Don't see that one. Brock Nelson, I think has an outside chance. It might just be him against Brian Rust for that last spot. And Mike Sullivan's the coach. So it might come down to that, but 
I think that Brock Nelson has the best chance of the American group um, to make it. And I honestly think Barzell doesn't have a prayer because listen to these centers for the Canadian team. Connor McDavid. Barzell is a lock in my opinion. He's a lock. All right. Well, let me, let me finish. I interesting. Okay. So I'm looking at the athletic, uh, their projection, listen to these. They have him on the team as a winger. Obviously the positions don't actually matter, but excuse me. Listen to the centers on this team. Connor McDavid, best player in the world. Nate McKinnon, second best. Sidney Crosby, Braden Point, Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, John Tavares. That's six guys, one, two, three, four, five, seven guys, excuse me, who are decidedly better than Matt Barzell. Obviously, we make the jokes that Tavares, that Barzell's better than Tavares. At this point in his career, for an Olympic team, I probably would take Tavares. Uh, proven a lot more in his career, and there's no doubt about that. Then you have the wingers of Huberdeau and Marchand and Stone, Marner, Couturier, Couturier is obviously also a center, um, and Shifley. So I don't think Barzell is going to make it. And if he does make it, he's not going to play a lot of minutes, I don't think. Um, but it just proves how deep this this forward core is. Yeah, I'm looking at, at, at USA Today. For, for this, they have listed as their forwards. It's pretty much the same exact list. McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, obviously on the team. Couturier, Brad Marchand, Bergeron, Marner, Huberto, Tavares, Point, Barzal, O'Reilly, Shifley, and Mark Stone. And honestly... I don't know who I, I don't remember who wasn't on your list that I read that put Matt Barzal on this list, but this is the perfect list of forwards that, that you could have on a have on an Olympic team in my opinion. I don't know. I'm trying to remember who you said that that Barzal wasn't on there, but I think he deserves a spot on this team. Well, Barzal is on there. He's oh, on okay. this list as one of the 14 forwards. Oh, got it, got it, got it. But I my point is, I don't think he's one of the top 12. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many minutes he's gonna get if he makes a team. But I think he has a chance, and maybe a lock was a little exaggeration. I exaggerated a lot. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I think he has a great chance to make the team, Not maybe not play a lot of minutes, but he deserves to be there. I think he's a great player. But this team's stacked, man. I mean, McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, I mean, those three guys right there, it tells you enough of how deep. The list, the list that I'm looking at doesn't have him on here. Did you, Mike, did you have Martyr on yours? Yeah. Martyr's on yours. So I'm trying to think who – did you have Marshan? Yup. All right, I don't know. Maybe this team doesn't just have enough forwards because everyone else you named on there, whatever. But, it, yeah, it's going to – I mean, there's going to be some incredible players that miss this Team Canada team just because they're Canada. They have too many crazy good players. So, I I, I hope Barzell makes it for the sake of Islander fans, but we'll see. It might be tough for him. It's going to depend a lot upon how I think these guys do to start the season. Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and Pelic has an outside chance of being a seventh-eighth defenseman. Uh, when you look at McCarr, Chikrin, Petrangelo, Theodore, Ekblad, Dougie Hamilton, it's hard to argue that Pellick's really better than any of those six guys. Um, but him and Morgan Riley have a chance. I think those are the two guys that would fall close behind there. And they do take extra guys. So I think it's possible that Barzell and Pellick make the team and then hop in the press box and play a couple games against, you know, Latvia or something. Which, um, which yeah, you still make the Olympic team, still get a medal at the end. Honestly, um, however – he is an absolute no-go on my end. Do not think he will make the team just, just injury, injury. Well, I don't think he's shown up over the past couple of years just because just of his status. So I, I don't see him making this team. I agree, I, which is unfortunate because I think, you know, he had a 40-goal season in Tavares' last year with the team. He's named the captain. And then the, that first season with Trotz, nobody scored a lot of goals. Uh, that's kind of the whole point of the system. 
Um, and then he has the ACL injury and we're still going to see how he comes back. If he comes back and has a great season and has 20 goals by Christmas or 15 goals by Christmas, then we're going to have a conversation about putting him on this team over Jake Getzel or Brock Nelson. Um, but he, I think he has to really prove it. He has to work the hardest. I think this year out of this Islander group to make the team. Um, so we'll move on to the Rangers. The Rangers, in my eyes, I, I just wrote a piece for the Ram on this. They're going to have the most players out of the locals. Um, Zabanajad, Fox, and Panarin are complete locks. Like, obviously, Zabanajad's going to be the number one forward on uh, the number one uh, defenseman on Sweden. Uh, defenseman, hello, center on Sweden. Fox is going to be maybe the Athletic has him listed as uh, top right defenseman paired with Ryan McDonough. I would argue Charlie McAvoy, but still going to be a top four defenseman for the U S and then Shesterkin, as we mentioned, going to be the backup goalie, most likely for the, um, for the Russian team and Panarin will be the number two left winger because the greatest left winger of all time is the number one left winger in Alex Ovechkin. So actually the athletic has limited above Alex Ovechkin. That's not going to happen, but you get my point. Those are the four guys who are complete locks um, for for the Rangers, are there any guys that you you guys see as maybe outside chances to make the team? Maybe a Capo Caco for Finland. Um, uh, what are your kind of thoughts on that? I was gonna say Caco. Yeah, I, I don't think Finland has the best of forward groups. I mean, they obviously love Line and Rantanen on the top line, but this website I'm looking at has Caco listed as the second line right winger, and you know all the guys behind them: Kapanen, Donskoy, Taravainen. I feel like all these guys are kind of in the similar boat, but I would argue that, you know, Kako has the potential out of all those guys to take the biggest leap this year. He's still only what 21, he might even not even be 21 yet. So I think, you know, I think Kabo Kako will definitely be on the Finland team. Yeah. I mean, they, they just don't really have to have that many forwards to, yeah. to play around with. I, I mean, looking at the list, there's not really, not, not that many uh, um, names that really stick out to you, but something that's interesting to me, they have, they have Tuka Rask as goalie number one. For, for this for this Olympic team for mine doesn't have Tuka. Mine has Soros. Mine has Anta, Tuka and Lankinen. Yeah, I have I have Tuka, Yusa Soros and, and Anti Ranta. One, two, three, which it, it is weird. But obviously it's just predictions and stuff, but obviously he deserves to be in the Olympic team as well. So so that's another conversation that, that we could have about Tuka. But no, I, obviously Zabanajad, um Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin are all locks for, for this Olympics team. And I do agree. I, I, I do think that Igor can get that backup job. You already mentioned it. Will he play? Um, no, he probably won't play because he's, he's behind the, the best goalie in the world. So what are you going to do? But Chris, what do you think about sending Barlamov being a backup for a goaltender for that team as well? I think he's going to be the third goalie. You do think so? I do. And it's going to be between him and Sorokin, which is going to be interesting. It, I, uh, I've seen like, oh, maybe it'll be Varley and Sorokin over Shesterkin. It obviously depends how this season goes. I don't see that happening. Um, but look, if we come out this season and Shesterkin starts, you know, 9-3-1 and one, and Sorokin starts 3-9-1 and one, or the op- – like it's going to depend on the start of the season for a lot of these guys. Um, and I think that that goalie spot in Russia, although, as we mentioned, it's completely meaningless, just like the backup goalie spots – um, for basically every team but Sweden because they have Markstrom and Leonard. They might they might go back and forth there. Um, and Canada, honestly. I could see them playing Flurry as well as Price. But um, – yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 
we, we can debate, you know, whether it's John Gibson, Thatcher Demko, Spencer Knight, and uh, Jack Campbell. Okay, that's four goalies for two spots. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because Connor Hellbuck is probably the second best goalie in the world, and they have a really good defense in front of them. So it's possible that he doesn't get overtired and he's able to take care of this team to a gold medal game. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. But I just, I just want to end with, with this statement. I'm, I'm going to say it, and part of it is wishful thinking uh, because – Honestly, the 2010 gold medal game is the greatest hockey game I'll ever watch in my entire life. I don't think anything will come close. Um, but this U.S. team has a chance to get back to that spot and score that goal and win this gold medal. I, I truly do believe that. Uh, the, the defense core is sick, top to bottom. McDonough, Fox, Slavin, McAvoy, Jones, Carlson, Hughes, Petrie. That is, that is stacked one through eight right there. We talked about the forward core, little weak as you get to the bottom, like a JT Miller, a Joe Pavelski. We're talking about Brock Nelson and Anders Lee. Um, and we talked about the goaltender, who's one of the best on the entire planet. Um, the Russia team is going to be good. The Canada team is obviously going to be fantastic. But I think Sweden's down, I think Finland's down, and the U.S. has a chance to, to take this gold medal. Oh, they absolutely have a chance to take this gold medal. And that's what's going to be interesting. It's obviously the conversation of uh, – is Canada the powerhouse again? Obviously, hockey country, they're, they're going to win this thing. The U.S. has potentially, from what we're looking at, a five-star caliber team, and they're not going to be easy to put away. They're not going to be giving up easy looks on net. They're not going to be giving up a lot of goals with their goaltender. Their defense are, is not going to be letting guys just skate down and shoot the puck whenever they want. This is a fantastic team that, that, that they have the potential to put together. And I would give it a great shot that they win a gold medal here. I mean, obviously, you look at Canada's roster, they have the three best players in the league, one, two, and three, literally on their roster. So it's going to be hard to put them away no matter what. But this defensive core that this USA team has is phenomenal. And those are the guys who, if it is to get done, they're going to be the ones to get it done, I think. Yeah, I think the Canada and the U.S. are definitely the top two dogs, with Canada being the favorite, I would say. But you know, the matchup, it, the storyline writes itself. The Canadian offense, this incredible offense versus this stacked U.S. defense. I'm hoping we can get to a gold medal game because that would just be absolutely incredible to see just these two incredible teams going at it for the gold medal. And, yeah, hopefully the U.S. can get a little payback from 2010 because I still do remember watching that as well, Chris, and that game was absolutely incredible. Yeah, that that is – that is the greatest hockey game I'll ever watch in my entire life. I don't think anything could ever come close. That was, that was unbelievable. Obviously it did not go our way, um, but they've got big posters of the gold that they golden goal. I think it's called um, in Canada. And they've won a lot of hockey games um, on, on big goals. So that kind of shows you how great of a game that was. Uh, we didn't mention the devils, Doug, Dougie Hamilton, probably going to make team Canada as a bottom pair defenseman, Jack Hughes, Outside chance in America and Nico Heischer will make Switzerland because he's like the only Switzerland hockey player ever. So if they other go to the Olympics. That, other than that, I see no one making it from the Devils. Agreed. Those, Agreed. Possible three. Definitely. And, and I, I think Hamilton will get a shot, but I don't even think Hughes will. And Heischer, you already mentioned that there's no one else. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some people say that maybe Mackenzie Blackwood for the third Canada goalie spot over Bennington because he's been so bad. I wouldn't hate to see that. I don't think it's going to happen. It's my my, my uh, final take there. So we're going to wrap it up for the off season review slash Olympic preview uh, episode, which is odd. Um, we're going to come back next week with a full preview for the Eastern conference, talk Islanders, Rangers, devils, playoff predictions for the Eastern conference. Then we're going to come back the next week, talk Western conference preview, trophy predictions, all that good stuff. 
leading you right into October 12th, which is a doubleheader on ESPN, starting with Pittsburgh, Tampa. Uh, and it's going to be an incredible start to the season. Uh, and I am so excited to get ready to go. Uh, feels like a regular hockey season for the first time in two years. And I am, I am psyched. I'm excited to see full crowds in arenas, the guard, especially the garden. Um, and I'm excited, man. It's time. It's time. It's, it's been way too long that hockey has not been played. Football started back up. Obviously, everyone, mostly everyone in the world was excited for the first red zone day. You know, you sit down on your couch for 12 hours. Don't get up. You just watch TV. Man, I'm excited to sit on my couch and watch hockey. Ranger hockey. I cannot wait. Agreed. Agreed. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Five on Three. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.